Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN, Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast with your hosts Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians back with us, and we are here round three of Jamie's way too early mock draft. But I feel like we need to just create a little bit of a stage here, Jamie, and let Jake his first appearance back on the podcast since what happened in the NFC Championship game. The floor is yours, my friend. I'm still not sure I got word, bro. Like, it was, uh, it, what an epic weekend. My sister has never asked in 30 years. Like, didn't, I, it's not that she didn't care. She just didn't go to away games and all, some of the stuff that I got experience. And we beat the, we beat the Saints and my dad's first text from, is from my sister. I want to go to Lambeau. I know Jake will come. So it was the four of us in Lambeau for the weekend. The atmosphere for 7,500 people was nuts. I'm not sure how you could tell on TV, but these freaking signs that they all had that they're smacking on the metal bleachers. The place was like there was 75,000. And then to win, I mean, I've, I've watched my dad go to Super Bowls, but not as a head coach, man. Like, it was uh, pretty epic standing there with my sister, watching the, you know, the trophy presentation stuff going on in Lambeau, of all places, NFC Championship was, uh, was pretty special, man. I'm not sure there really are words for it, but it was a uh, pretty awesome weekend. Really kind of wish the Bills would have won just because Brady's record against the Bills is pretty awesome and the freaking Chiefs are pretty damn good. But uh, should be a lot of fun. I mean, so many firsts. And I uh, can't wait to get done with the tickets and hotel rooms. I can get down to Tampa next week and enjoy a little bit of it. I will say that uh, you say that you're at a loss for words. I'm sure there'll be a lot of words spent over the next two weeks in preparation for this game. So I'm sure we'll we'll cover our basis uh, over the course yeah. of, of previewing the game. All right, Jamie, let's get into it. Round three of your mock draft. And we're going to start right where we left off. Your last pick, for those of you who, who uh, didn't catch round two, Justin Jefferson, the last pick to end the second round. So, Jamie... Pick 3.1, and for this team, this this team already has Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. They're now adding J.K. Dobbins to the mix. Yeah, Dobbins is going to be one of these the very interesting players to watch because he's been a fantasy darling for a while. If you remember going back to last offseason when we were discussing him and his top 180p, I was just like, I'm out. I'm out at that price. You're not going to get much from him early. He had a good week one, then kind of fell off a little bit, had a really strong back end of the season, but – 
didn't really give you true like that top 80 value that a lot of people were drafting at. But he's a guy that's going to be a favorite. And, and I know I've already gotten a lot of pushback for having him here. And I could see him moving up. But as we saw on Divisional Weekend, and it's kind of what I expect to continue to happen, they like Gus Edwards a lot. Like Gus Edwards is going to be back most likely. He's, he's an RFA. Uh, I think he'll be back there. Dobbins will probably be the lead back, but you're going to have these games where both guys are getting double-digit touches. You're going to have games where, you know, Dobbins is going to get in the end zone maybe, but you might get 12 or 13 carries from Gus Edwards. So there's a little bit of this dynamic that you kind of have to look at these guys with. And look, I had him as my RB15 right now. It's not like I'm low on him, but I'm he's going to get a guy that's going to be pushed way up. Like I think people are going to start talking about him in the top 20 for sure. Uh, and maybe even top 15. I'm just not there yet. I know he had that great touchdown streak for a while there that got broken in the final game of the year, but I just know they're going to use multiple backs and the excuse that, well, Mark Ingram's not going to be there. They've been healthy scratching Mark Ingram for the last month uh, before they ended up losing. So that's not really going to change his value. He still has got a lot of upside. I could see him moving up. Like I could see him going into this you know, I could see him based on this offseason and maybe, you know, Stafford looks like he's going to get traded, maybe moving above like the DeAndre Swifts or moving above uh, Josh Jacobs. I could see him moving up there. But people want to draft him along with like Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb and all those guys. And I'm just not willing to do that yet. I, I like it, man. I keep hearing all this stuff. They add weapons and they do, but that doesn't mean they're going to throw it a ton more. They're just going to throw it enough not to be dead last in the league in passing. Still, everything is going to go through Lamar, the read option. He became the guy, right? Like, I love Gus. Gus catches it better than J.K. Dobbins. So the only thing I would caution anybody moving him too high is his ability to catch. He can catch little screens and that kind of stuff, but he's not going to be catching an out from Lamar very often. Uh, so you're more looking like a Derrick Henry, but he gets in the end zone. And when you're doing everything you can to stop Lamar, he's going to be a 1,000-plus-yard guy, almost guaranteed, if he stays healthy. Uh, I like where you have him, Jamie. To me, man, when you get to rounds three and four is where you make your money. If you can hit in rounds one and two on the stars, great. But this is where the value kicks in. And it kind of reminds me of a Chris Carson last year. Like Paige took Chris Carson the last pick of the second round. And I think took Tyler Lockett the first or the third round right in front of me in our TDN draft. But that's kind of where I, I like where you have him here. If he falls to this, I love that value. Jamie, the next pick on, on this mock draft, and this is a weird sentence that I'm going to say out loud. This team has Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and now they're adding George Kittle with the second pick in the third round. This sentence a year ago would have gotten us laughed off the podcast. It's now a reality here in 2021. Oh, people are still going to laugh at me. Don't don't, don't get me wrong. I, I know that we're going to be – this show as a whole is going to be on an island on our thoughts on Saquon Barkley and where we value him for next year. Uh, but there's always this one team when I do a mock draft that's kind of off the wall. Um, and if you remember in the preseason, last year it was the number one pick where I was kind of using that McCaffrey-Mahomes kind of strategy here. Uh, this is kind of the off-the-wall one where you – I've not, you know, getting McCaffrey at two isn't off the wall, but Saquon Barkley falling and then going George Kittle here over going with a receiver. Uh, I thought this was just a good opportunity for him because you're really looking at exactly three tight ends that are worthwhile. I think at the very, very top. I like Mark Andrews. I like DJ Hawkinson. I like Noah Fant, but they are a clear step down from the Kelsey Kittle Waller group. And I think it's a bigger step down than it's been in years, even though there's those top two have been big. So I think the opportunity to get him here is really interesting. And the fact that over the last two seasons, Kittle is the number 14 wide receiver slash tight end, period. 
Like, so if you put all the, if you put, treat him like he's a wide receiver, he'd be the number 14 wide receiver. That's a better output than AJ Brown, Adam Thielen, Tyler Lockett. You know, he's going to miss, probably going to miss some time, but I also expect him to get an upgrade at quarterback next year. I think the Niners are going to make a decision that somebody other than Jimmy Garoppolo will be starting for them next season, whether it's Stafford, whether it's a trade up for Zach Wilson, whatever it might be. I think they're going to have somebody else uh, under center there, which I think will still help uh, George Kittle. Cause I know he gets a lot of volume from some of these bad quarterback plays, but I don't, I don't see him losing value by getting extra better quarterback play. I think that narrative is a little weird. So he's somebody that I would target in this range here in the third round. Uh, I think there's a clear step back from Kelsey here just because of the injury history. Uh, and, but to me, I think if you get him here in the early third round, you'll be plenty happy. Man, I love that. You just gave us the stats. Why? Right. But if they get Trent Williams back and now you got, you know, Iuke in a second year, you get Debo Samuel healthy, that none of that affects Kittle. He's still the guy. Now they end up with Matt Stafford, Deshaun Watson, Sam Darnold. I don't see him going with a rookie. Rookie is probably the only thing that could limit him. But you give him a guy like Stafford in this offense, the way that Kyle Shan's going to run it and everything still goes to Kittle and a quarterback that loves to throw to a tight end, man, it could be, it could be a monster. He just has to stay healthy. We keep this train moving, Jamie. Derek Henry, Calvin Ridley, the two picks for this previous team. They're now adding Mike Evans to their squad with the third pick in the third round. Yeah, you know, I thought about taking Mike Evans in that Kittle spot earlier um, because to me, I really love the connection that Evans has shown with Tom Brady late in the season. They they look like they're on the same page. They're really clicking. And he's just had a had an incredibly weird fantasy season. You think back to week one where he gets the one catch for two yards and a touchdown. Week two has a much more Mike Evans-like seven for 104 and a touchdown. And then one of the strangest fantasy lines I've ever seen for a receiver the following week, two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. Uh, The the goal line wide receiver of Mike Evans. But we started to kind of see him from week 10 on really start to be the guy we thought he was going to be in this offense with Brady as they got more comfortable, averaging 8.4 targets per game over an eight-game stretch before. And that doesn't even include the NFC Championship game that we talked about. Um, you know, we'll kind of see what happens with the other pass catching options there. Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown are free agents. Do they bring both back? Do they bring one back? Uh, Rob Gronkowski, does he want to play next year? So there's going to be a lot of these other opportunities. You know, there's going to be some times where Evans is banged up, but you know, he's going to fight through it as much as humanly possible. And if he can pick up what he did in those final, pretty much from week 10 to the second we're talking right now. If he does that over the course of a full season, he's going to be a top five wide receiver. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to project him to be a top five wide receiver. He's at wide receiver 10 for me, but I think he's absolutely a wide receiver one next year. And I love getting him with this pick to go with two other guys that are going to give you pretty high floors in Derrick Henry and Calvin Ridley. Man, that team has some upside. I think Devonta Adams finally tied him. But I think he might be the only two receivers to have three 40-point fantasy games the last two years. Uh, I, I would expect all those guys to be back. And then you're adding O.J. Howard back in the mix as well. But you're also giving Tom Brady and this offensive staff an offseason finally to really figure out how they want to use it. And you've seen it down the stretch. Mike Evans broke his own franchise record with 13 touchdowns and has added a few more in the playoffs. Uh, I love this one. You get him in Locking the third a round. thousand yards. Locking yeah. a thousand yards. Too. Exactly. Uh, Jamie, this next one's really interesting because this is the second time, uh, and we're on pick four in the th- in the third round. But this is the second time we have somebody who, next to their name, it says pending free agent, meaning we don't know where they're going to play this year. And in this player in particular is Allen Robinson, who's joining a team that you have Alvin Kamara and DK Metcalf on. So, Jamie, I- I'll I'll tee it up for you this way: 
Is there room? We had the same conversation with Aaron Jones, but is there room for Allen Robinson to move up from where you have him now, depending on what team he plays for next season? Yes, there is. But it's going to it's going to be interesting because there is a dynamic of you expect him to go somewhere that with a better passing offense, period, end of story, and a better quarterback. But does he go somewhere else that has other weapons that could eat into his time or go to a team that maybe runs the ball a little bit more? Like there, there are all these other factors, but I kind of settled on this spot for him over the this year from weeks one to 16. He was the wide receiver nine in average fantasy points per game. And over the last two years combined, he's the wide receiver 12. I can't see him going to a situation with a worse passing offense, with a worse quarterback situation than what he's been dealing with in Chicago for two years. Like that, that's what I'm looking at here. Uh, I don't expect him to be back in Chicago first and foremost, but I can't see him finding himself in a worse situation. So it is likely he could move up, but then the question becomes is how far does he move up? I, I, I would have to know depending on what that team would be because there are so many options. Like let's say, you know, he can go to a QB needy te- or wide receiver needy team, but let's say he goes to New England. I don't know what the quarterback situation is right now. I might like it, you know, I might like it more two months from now than I do today, but I don't know what that situation is going to be. Does he go to Miami? Does he go? I mean, there's been talk. Does he go to Jacksonville and is the number one option for Trevor Lawrence? Like there's so many, uh, uh, there's so many like different options there that it's going to affect his value. But to me, I can't see him falling below where I kind of have him. And that's kind of where I went with a lot of these guys that are pending free agents of kind of splitting the difference between best case and worst case scenario, but leaning slightly toward worse. Because I just I just can't see a scenario where he's going somewhere and not going to be featured. He has the potential to be top three or four guy, right? I mean, if he ends up with a place, not like this, but Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, he ends up with that kind of quarterback play. If he ends up with Deshaun Watson next year somewhere together, yeah, wow, right? You're not getting him in the third mm-hmm. round. I love him. I've had him the last two years with this awful quarterback situation, and he's been spectacular. Like, the floor is amazing, and – what was this? He had like 130 targets without a drop or something crazy. I mean, the guy has See, been yeah. unbelievable. He always puts up. It's just dependent on a quarterback situation. He could end up in an absolutely amazing spot that you would be happy as hell to get him late in the second round. Yeah, and I think the same conversation we had with Aaron Jones is that the and Jamie, I think you just touched on this, but you you lean worst case scenario and put them towards probably the bottom where you are, where you have room to adjust. Like if Aaron Jones goes to a situation where you like, you can move them back up a little bit. Same thing with Allen Robinson. But on that point, I think Aaron Jones is a chance to be more volatile than Allen Robinson, just because of the running back situation around the NFL. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a good chance you know that I, you're not going to spend huge money unless you're Denver apparently to then go split carries like it just it's not likely but if you split some but then the other side of me goes he's been splitting plenty of time with Jamal Williams for two years so I, I, that one's a little bit more volatile because he's leaving Aaron Rodgers potentially versus leaving Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles a little yeah, bit of a Al, Al Robinson's production is not getting worse no. regardless of the situation that he's in All right, we move on, guys. The fifth pick here in the third round. And, Jamie, I think this is another running back that a lot of people are going to be talking about a ton. You have him going with the fifth pick in the third round, joining James Robinson and Keenan Allen on this team. It is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire of the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if my opinion is going to change by the time we get to August, but I think this is going to be the second year in a row where I want no part of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And to me, it's just that there's too much unknown. Uh, I put him here because I feel that RB16 is I couldn't make a strong case aside from my own concerns to drop him further than this. But I, I love the talent. I love what he can be. 
but they're going to use multiple backs. Uh, Damian Williams is coming back. And if this postseason run hasn't shown you with what Daryl Williams has been able to do, particularly over Le'Veon Bell, Andy Reid trusts his guys that have been with him and have been productive for him in big moments. There is no player at the running back position that has done more in the biggest moments in a in Super Bowl winning moments for him at this point. Maybe that maybe there's another running back that'll change in two weeks. But right now, the running back that basically helped them win the Super Bowl and should have been the MVP of that game last year is Damian Williams. So when he comes back, he's going to have a role, even if it's not as big as with the one that he left since they drafted Edwards Alaire in the first round. He is going to have a role. And on a week-to-week basis, I'm not sure which Edwards Alaire we're going to get. Like, he wasn't used as heavily in the passing game outside of those first three weeks of the season as we expected him to be. Does that change next year? I was kind of hoping we would see some tricks unlock this postseason run, but he's been hurt. And he hasn't been really been able to get up to capacity. So, to me, he's a player that I expect that might get overdrafted again next year. I, I'm okay if you take him here in the third round. I would probably lean somewhere else. I just there's too much unknown for me, uh, and I think as good as he can be from a talent perspective, you know, this was a guy from weeks four to fifteen. He ranked as the RB twenty four before missing the final two games of the year. Like I think you're getting an RB two, but I'm not going to pay an RB one or even an, an, at a high end RB two price to get him. Matt, I love this kid, but I hate the usage. And you're exactly right. The two Williams coming back. Don't be surprised if they draft a little scatback speedy guy. You know, a D'Anthony Thomas, Black Mamba type kid to throw in there because they want to have another guy that runs these freaking crazy speed screens and the way this team's built to take a couple catches here and there, a couple touches. Uh, he might end up on my list next year. Don't touch. He might be tied early from this year. Maybe it'll bite you, but I think you get better production here from somebody else. But in the middle of the third round, you got to be pretty tempted. He should be better in year two than as a rookie, of course. But you just don't know what you're getting. I mean, you know what you're getting from Andy Reid, and that's multiple guys. So that hurts. Jamie, uh, your take on Damian Williams is this show's version of Antonio Gates played basketball in college. Like it, it just comes, it comes up every time we talk about the Chiefs, and I'm fine with that. But you just need to understand that that's the brand you're setting for yourself. I'll own it. Look, I, I am the king of owning just random ass players and just like beating the door down for Damian Williams and all of all of these like fourth string wide receivers that I like. I mean, I, I get it. I know that. Like, I'm I'm a sleepers for lack of a better phrase. Hundred percent got your back. But, you should have been the MVP in the Super Bowl last year. I just, I, it concerns me. And that, that's why I have, again, it's RB16. And as we'll talk about some of these guys later this round, or we're going to do, Chris and I are going to do a bonus show for you guys on Friday where I go over the fourth round. And then we start to work in some rookies and some other things. I just, this is kind of the spot it settles in for me because I can't make a compelling case when I sit down and just truly think about it right now that I would take him above a J.K. Dobbins or a DeAndre Swift going into next year. Now, that one's a little bit more complicated now since we talked about him knowing that Stafford's not going to be there. That will that could complicate matters. But just his usage in the passing game and knowing what you're going to get on a weekly basis, like I don't I'm still not sure I'm confident in Edwards Alaire. And that might bite me, but I'm okay if that bites me by passing on him here. If he dropped the round, I wouldn't I wouldn't pass on him, but I'm just not going to take him as a borderline RB1. We reached the midway point of the third round, and Jamie, that third tight end in that top tier that you talked about, Darren Waller comes off the board here, joining Nick Chubb and A.J. Brown. Yeah, he would have been the wide receiver eight this year if he qualified at that position. I mean, he just had a a remarkable season, Uh, 17.4 average fantasy points per game. He truly, I mean, truly took a big step forward from last year. 
And if you look at the two-year window, there are only 15 receivers or tight ends that have had better seasons over the last two years combined than what Darren Waller has been putting out there. Uh, to me, I think I'm starting to come around to these elite tight ends more than I have in years past on the show. Uh, but I think it's going to be the elite tight ends because I think there is a drop. Like I I'm willing to get speculative on Noah Fant next year. I think that he could be an interesting guy. I'm willing to be speculative on a Mike Jacecki or some of these other pieces. But uh, or even a you know or Hunter Henry, depending on if he goes returns to LA, does he go somewhere else? We'll see what that works out. But for me, there are three just clearly elite options that are essentially. I mean, in Kelsey's case, he's been a wide border. Uh, he's been a wide receiver one type of production these last couple of years. But two wide receiver two, uh, high end wide receiver two type of producers, in George Kittle and Darren Waller. So while we're starting to like consider wide receiver twos in general. I'm more than willing to consider these top options here. And that's kind of why I lean to him over going some of these next wide receivers. There's going to be a little bit of a mini run on two receivers that go next. He's going to, he's going to be the top option there. I don't with Tyrell Williams coming back. I don't know if the Raiders are going to invest heavily in another wide receiver. You, you, you took a first round pick on Henry Ruggs. You've kind of saw flashes that you like from um, Brian Edwards. You've already got Hunter Renfro in the slot. Tyrell Williams is coming back as your, as your true deep threat. Aguilar. Uh, Aguilar's a pending free agent. Do you bring him back? That's a lot of guys to have there. Like you're not, if you bring Aguilar back and you already have Williams, which you, who you could cut. I mean, he is, he is a, a cut risk, but are you going to then spend $10 million a year, $15 million a year to bring in one of the top tier wide receivers? You're going to go, we have issues on our, all over our defense right now. Let, let's address those areas. So if they do that, then Darren Waller's going to be the guy again. And he's going to have a very similar season next year as he has the last two years. I don't care if they end up with Chris Goblin, Allen Robinson, Darren Waller's the guy. John Gruden's the head coach. Derek Carr's going to be the quarterback. They love Waller. No tight end in the league runs like him. He is an absolute matchup nightmare. If that's the quarterback and that's the coach, he's going to put up the same season if he's healthy. And, and for those of you, obviously, with the draft network, so we'll make all these comps, but for everybody that's excited about seeing where's Kyle Pitts going to go, just watch the polished version already in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's your guy. So Kyle Pitts has a ways to go to catch what Waller put up. Oh, absolutely. Year. But just just go watch what Darren Waller is doing, and, and I think people are now. Um, you know, because he went from a cool story last year to, oh wow, an this is freak, an absolute freak that's making yeah. waves. Oh, and by the way, Derek Carr's real good friend, and uh, we'll, we can get to a rant at some point because the the, the Derek Carr hate has gone too far. It, it it has. It's he's gone not, a little. He's not the. He's not the issue in Vegas, and I still people. Dude, still he had him. a phenomenal. He was been great. He was great. Phenomenal season. Phenomenal. Yes, he was phenomenal for them this year. He is. Their defense sucks. It's Derek bad. Carr is As I mentioned on the show, Derek Carr. Is, yeah, is one of their. That's my gimmick. Top two, top three players on your team. Period. Yeah. End of story. All the way around. He was phenomenal. Not even close. Sensational. Yeah. Sensational. Yes. He is the he is the furthest thing from the reason why they have struggled since Gruden has got there. Like the furthest thing from the issue there. Yes. Uh, Jamie, you have a player here coming off a, an injury plagued season, is the way you describe it. Julio Jones comes off the board here, three dot seven, joining Aaron Jones and DeAndre Swift. I think this might be since what his rookie year, second year. This might be the lowest Julio Jones has ever gone in a fantasy probably. Track. Probably. <laughs> The second half of the third round, I snuck him in here right as my wide receiver 12. But I, I think there's this is kind of like there's a group of players here. I, I did it because of the upside. And I think that's why I love, and I, as I say here in this spot, 
I love going Julio Jones here if you've already gone running back, running back. So if you're going to start with that first wide receiver, go with a big upside guy here because if he pays off – and by the way, when he plays, he's going to give you wide receiver one production. You just got to know it's you're not going to probably get 16 games out of him, um, especially he's entering his age 32 year. But you know, he still averaged more than 16 fantasy points per game for his nine games in 2020. And that includes, by the way, two games where he didn't even play 40% of the snaps because he left hurt. Um, it's going to be frustrating on some level, but to know if you already got running back, running back, you're trying to play catch up at the wide receiver spot. You've got a guy that for more than half the season is going to give you wide receiver one production on top of the two running backs that you already have here. That I, I love him having him here. I can't take him higher. Like I think this is like where he is for me. And if you want to make an argument about some of the guys behind him, I would just argue nobody behind him has a higher ceiling in my estimation at wide receiver than him. There are guys with higher floors because of their injury history, particularly the next guy we'll talk about. But to me, this is as far as I could drop him. But I'm kind of kind of have him cemented in here. Like I'm not taking him above Allen Robinson or Mike Evans. Really don't want to take him behind some of the guys we're about to talk about. This is kind of where I feel comfortable with him and kind of have him settled. Big body guy with a lot of soft tissue injuries the last couple of years that keep popping up. But if he plays, he's 77 catches for 90 yards and like three quarters of a touchdown. I think it's his average for his career in games he's played in. That's spectacular. Is he healthy enough? He's on the tail end of his career. That body's taking a beating. It's risky, but when he plays, he's giving you still wide receiver one. So, like, to get him in the third when you went running back, running back, I really like him. Jamie, you mentioned the running back, running back strategy leading to a wide receiver pick with the previous pick. Well, 3.8 has the same strategy. They went Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs with their first two picks. It's Robert Woods here with the eighth pick in the third round. Just high floor. He finishes the, the RB, uh, excuse me, the wide receiver 14 exactly in total points uh, each of the last two seasons. Like that is what you're going to get from him. You're going to get high end wide receiver two production from Robert Woods every single time. Um, you know, he's just, it's just steady. Like, you know, you're not, there's not top seven or eight upside. You, he's not going to spike into that territory unless he gets hurt, which is not something he's had to worry about much in his career. He's not going to finish outside the, the top 20. Like, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a, at most likely a high-end wide receiver two, and at worst, probably a mid-level wide receiver two. So uh, there's there's value in that safety. Uh, and I think that to me, as uh, the quarterback situation, I know we're talking about, you know, there's all this this smoke and, and mirrors with Jared Goff. Jared Goff's not going anywhere next year. Whether he should or not, it's a different story. Uh, and by the way, more smoke to what I said on the show, my tinfoil hat, that he got benched in the wild card round. That's looking a lot smarter now with each passing week as we start to hear more and more that's coming out of Los Angeles. But yep. uh, Robert Wood's a high-volume guy with a high floor. Um, if you're going to go running back, running back here, I think he's a perfect guy. Uh, again, a little bit different strategy than going with Julio Jones as a high upside pick, but is the other alternative for a really strong play to go with in the third round after going with two straight running backs. I've never had him on a team, but I've always wanted him on a team for that exact reason. And I don't really care who the quarterback is. Sean McVay is the head coach. He's the dude. Cooper Cup's the dude. They're going to throw it. They're going to run it. They're going to play action. Their offense is going to be exactly the same. I don't care how many people left and got poached because they not only shook hands with Sean McVay, but they were on his staff for a year. It doesn't matter. He's still the one calling the plays. Robert Woods, unless he gets hurt, there's going to be a stud. Yeah, right. The assumption is as long as Sean McVay is the coach, they're going to be able to scheme up enough to get Robert Woods and Cooper Cup involved. So it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. All right, Jamie, another free agent here uh, in Chris Carson, our second free agent running back on this list, joining Devontae Adams and Antonio Gibson. And uh, this uh, this is an interesting one. So go ahead. 
I know a lot of people might be surprised to see this, but Chris Carson is probably one of the still, and because he misses some time and because he plays on the West Coast, one of the most underrated fantasy assets. Um, so he finishes the RB12 this year on a per-game basis of fantasy points. He was the RB12 last year on a per-game fantasy, and if you combine them two years, he finished as the RB12. Where he goes is going to be significant. If he goes back to Seattle, this is kind of where he should be, and maybe a little bit higher. They're gonna they're they've said they're gonna run the ball a lot more. He catches out of the backfield. I don't believe in in Penny or any of these other options they have there. He's been a guy that when he's been given the opportunity, when he's on the field, he's been incredibly productive for you fantasy wise. He's gonna miss some time. It, it's been an issue for him for a couple years now, but when he plays, he's going to be highly successful. As you start to look at some of the other running backs that you're kind of getting to here, you're kind of running into the mix of when do the rookies come in? When do some of the guys with injury histories, when do the guys with some timeshare splits, like that's kind of what we're getting into right now. And I'm assuming he's going to be back in Seattle. Uh, and that's kind of where I have him in this spot. If he's not and go somewhere else and splits time, obviously he will drop, but he just, I just kind of more wanted to highlight the fact that, the dude on a per-game basis is giving you low-end RB1 production for two years now, and nobody thinks of him in that manner. Yeah, I mean, if he stays there, I love it. If he ends up in a place like Atlanta with Arthur Smith, who wants to run the crap out yeah. of it, I, and he catches it better than Derrick Henry, I can see him being higher than this. But if you can get him there, and there's probably other a couple other landing spots where I would love him at. I, I think he's still – the production's there. I don't, I don't really care. I mean, it's not like he's going to play behind – a worse offensive line than he has the last couple of years for the most part, leaving a free agency. Uh, Russell Wilson has the threat of the deep ball, but they were still a running team and you had to stop him. I think you'd end up in some better spots, but if he ends up back there or in a place like Atlanta, I love it. Jamie, the roller coaster ride with this player continues to this spot. 3.10 Miles Sanders running back Philadelphia Eagles joining Austin Eckler and DeAndre Hopkins on this team. Yeah, I, I go RB heavy, as we know, as we talked about on the show and as you saw in the first round. So I understand if you wanted to go with some of the other receivers here, but in, with this razor-thin margin, I was going to go to getting an RB2 for this team to pair with Austin Eckler. We have a small sample size, and that's why I want to caution everybody, but there was a glimmer of hope toward the end of the season for Miles Sanders because in the games that Jalen Hurts started, he was the RB8 uh, in average fantasy points per game, averaging nearly 20 points per game at that spot. I don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be in Philadelphia next year. I, at this stage, I still think it's going to be Carson Wentz. I didn't think so at the time I wrote this, but today I think it's going to be Carson Wentz. And I think that's a big reason why Sirianni got the job. He, he got there. But to me, either way, there's no way this Eagles offense is going to be as abhorrent as it was for the most of this season. It might not be what it was two years ago, but I don't think it's going to be as bad as we saw there. Uh, I think you're going to end up getting RB2 value out of Sanders, which is why I have him here at RB18. Like That's kind of where I think if you get him in this middle of the RB2 territory, I think you'll probably be happy with what you're getting. You know, Last year, he was pushing into the top 10. That's ideally where he, that's where he was in the very brief time that he worked with Jalen Hurts. I think if you value him right around this spot here where you're taking him with the Dobbinses and the Chris Carsons and the Clyde Edwards-Alaires, and, and you kind of put him in this spot, maybe ahead of some of the rookies that are coming in, you'll probably get a return on your investment. So this is where I feel comfortable taking him, knowing that I would probably like him more if Hertz was starting. But I don't think Hertz is going to be end up starting week one. I, I think they're really going to figure try to figure out w one last gasp on can we make Carson Wentz a thing again with this new coaching staff 
I think that's why the whole coaching situation is different than it was in when this was written. So uh, I think if you take him in this spot, more or less, you'll be happy. If you expect an R- mid-level RB2 production, I think you'll be happy. If you're expecting him to return to borderline RB1 territory, I think that's too much of a risk and too rich for my blood. A couple of reasons I love this one, man. Look, nobody has more 80-yard runs as a running back in the NFL over the last two years than Miles Sanders. A healthy Saquon Barkley, you go back to their college days, he's 85% of that, catches it great. Deuce Staley leaving and going to Detroit, and Detroit's put a hell of a staff together, by the way, who's been in Philly forever. I don't think it helps him necessarily, but the change in scheme with Sirianni going back to what they did in Indy, yeah, they threw it a lot, but they ran the crap out of it when they needed to. And having something along those lines from a new running back coach perspective, I think can help. His whole thing to me is staying healthy. The dude is extremely explosive. He catches it great. I don't really care who the quarterback is. You get him and a guy like that in the third round, I love it. Jamie, this next player, this next pick that you have here, uh, probably overshadowed by what his ex-teammate did in Buffalo and by what his new current teammate, rookie Justin Jefferson, did. Adam Thielen makes an appearance on this draft. 3.11 joining Travis Kelsey and Ezekiel Elliott. I was trying to find a spot for Thielen because I do expect his touchdowns to regress a little bit. Like I don't think he's going to get 14 again next year. And that was a huge part of his value. And we saw there were a lot of games this year where if he didn't catch a touchdown, it wasn't he wasn't helping you, which, by the way, happens with a lot of guys that aren't at the very elite class. You don't want to knock guys too much. But this was a really good spot for him, I thought, here as we st- we're in the kind of like this upper part of wide receiver two territory at this moment. Um, I said I expect some touchdown regression, but he was still a wide receiver 11 a- average of fantasy points this year. Um, I think Justin Jefferson is going to command a lot more attention next year, where I think a lot of that attention that Adam Thielen was getting, particularly in the first 10 or so weeks of the year, will start to go to Justin Jefferson, which will alleviate some pressure off Adam Thielen. I like that they used him more in the, the slot again this year than they did before. I expect them to do that even more this coming year, which which led to Thielen's best fantasy season ever a few years back, if you remember. So my, I'm actually like – I'm equal parts of like part of me goes, I think all there's a lot that's going to regress – but I also think there's a lot that's going to go in his favor. So I've kind of evened him out here as a top 15 wide receiver. My only question is what's this offense going to look like? He lost to Fansky, but Kubiak was there in his ear all day long. And then Kubes took it over last year. He's retired. You know that they want to run the ball. And this offense shouldn't look a whole lot different. But Justin Jefferson, I think, is going to take a big leap in year two. Uh, I like him. I like where you have him. I, I agree with the touchdown regression. But that stat upside is still there, right? I think Irv Smith started to become a thing. I think he becomes a better player next year. My only question is, what does the play calling look like? And how good or bad is the defense? And do they have to throw it more? That all plays in your favor. But if the offense looks the same, I think the same production is going to be there. Jimmy, we wrap up the third round of this draft, pick number 12. This team went Tyree Kill and Stephon Diggs with their first two picks, wide receiver, wide receiver. You hand them a running back here in round three. It is Cam Akers of the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, when you, if you go wide receiver, wide receiver, which is kind of the spot I felt this team was forced in at the turn with all, again, with me taking, what, nine? Nine running backs in the first 10 picks. They were okay, kind yeah, of in spot. Um in that spot but and and look i love the acres pick when i made it i love it even more now with a couple more weeks of of hindsight to look back on uh from week where's it here from week 12 on acres ranked as the running back 17 in average fantasy points per game had a tremendous performance in the wild card round was used a lot uh he's going to be their lead back there next year he absolutely should be uh daryl henderson can be change of pace at times malcolm brown if they want to bring him in here and there but m acres proved that he should be the back 
not only with the success that he had, but the toughness to come back from the ankle injury early and then get a huge workload and then succeed on top of all that. Uh, they want to be a run-first team. They want to be a team that's predicated on running the ball effectively and putting Jared Goff or whomever the quarterback ends up being there. I still think it's going to be Goff in the right positions to make plays. Like They don't want their quarterback to play hero ball because it's not going to be successful for them. Sean McVay's offenses have been great when they've had great running games, and that's what they want here. Um, I'd actually probably have Akers if I was redoing this now higher than where he is. I'd probably put him up more at the top of this third round uh, than where he is here, but somebody I like a lot. There's still going to be some other running backs mixed in there. Daryl Henderson's not going away, and watch them just mess with everybody and take a fourth-round running back again this year or something. But um, I like him a lot, and, and to me, he's somebody I, I'd be willing to gamble on of having just tremendous upside because – I was unbelievably impressed by the way he finished the year. The Rams ran more than anybody in the NFL through 11 weeks. He just couldn't get on the field to be healthy. We didn't see it to the playoffs. This kid, I think, could take a jump. He's one of five guys that could be a true three-down back, catches it great. You saw the explosiveness. I might even take him as a flyer like late second round. I believe in him that much. I think Daryl Henderson could be a great complimentary piece. But if they use him like they did late and he could stay healthy, you're talking about 18 to 20 carries and three, four, five targets a game. You could be talking about RB1 before it's over with. You got that kind of talent. You have that kind of scheme with Sean McVay. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy and put that up early and they just keep riding the hot hand. And Daryl Anderson's a four, five, eight, maybe 10 touch a, a game guy who's just really a, a plan B secondary piece. I think Akers has the ability to be a top five talent. And that will put a bow on round three of the mock draft, which you can see at thedraftnetwork.com. Jamie, real quick, what round are we up to on the written version of this story? So as of Tuesday this week, we are through round five. So this is going to go up to seven rounds. So there'll be two okay. more. There'll be one more coming on Tuesday. And then the final round of this way too early mock will drop on the Tuesday after the Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, but Chris, but you and I... On Friday, for those of you that are listening to us, popular right now, demand requested. Yes, uh, we will be going. Uh, we're doing a bonus episode going through round four, so we don't get too far behind because next week uh, there's a big game going on yeah. a week from Sunday that I hear about. So I, we're probably going to spend some time discussing that. So we want we don't want to get too far behind on this mock. So we're going to do a bonus episode for you guys since there will not be an against the spread show this week because there's no game to preview yet. But uh, I would say you look forward to the following weeks against the spread because there are props galore. It's, it, this is prop season for everybody. With Super Bowl props are already all out there on Bet Online. I would encourage you to go check them out. Um, there are some really interesting ones out there. But uh, before we get off that, I do, I do want to ask uh, because we haven't had the opportunity yet to talk about this. So I want to have a quick chat with with you and Jake uh, about the the Matthew Stafford news. Because uh, we haven't had at least a, a full discussion okay. of this on the yeah. podcast since we had that. Um, there's always rumors, but there's a, a whole lot different when there's a mutual agree that this trade's going to happen. Um, so, kind of, I kind of want to open up the floor. Like thoughts on Stafford's tenure in Detroit, where you th- think the best fit for him is going to be, and you know what what happens with Detroit now? Are, are they going to? I'm assuming you're going to you're going to try to package whatever you get back for him with your current pick to move up. Are they going to try to get a stop? Like, I don't know what you'd be getting a stopgap for. You're not going to be competing next year, but kind of just open the floor on the Stafford conversation. I think they go with a rookie and Ryan Fitzpatrick or something like that, and they try to play the rookie, and they give this this staff time. Dude, they wasted a Ferrari and treated it like a piece of shit Thunderbird and wasted a Hall of Fame career sitting in Detroit from what he had. The kid is a top five talent. The arm talent is freaking elite. I know a bunch of teams that reached out last year, and Jamie, we talked about it a ton when we were doing our spring preview shows, like the captain. Yeah. 
wasn't really there to do it. Now it is. They're they're going to move him. Uh, my God, I, I think you're going to have normally if there wasn't going to be this much movement, Deshaun Watson wasn't sitting out there demanding like probably four number ones. You could probably do a one and a player, right? I could see the Rams trading Jared Goff and a one to get him, but the Rams don't have any ones. Like something you know, getting really outside the box. Uh, yeah. Him with Kyle, him with Kyle Shanahan, the way because Stafford doesn't get enough credit for his play action, the way he moves in the pocket, the way he throws on the run. He's very Aaron Rodgers like over the last four. We went from chubby Stafford to like leaned up Tom Brady TB12 yeah. looking Stafford. He moves really freaking well. I, those play actions, those nakeds, I just. I have him in my head in San Francisco. I love Darnold there, but my God, man, you put a guy like Stafford on that 49ers team. I think they are one of the Super Bowl favorites come out next year. So, Chris, I'm going to ask you this because I think you discussed this briefly on the Draft Dudes podcast. So shout out to anybody that there are any crossover listeners uh, for that. Did you get um, a take or a would you rather recently on Stafford versus Darnold? Do you remember what specifically that was? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I do. I don't. I don't remember the specifics, but I know what you're referencing. Um, yeah, there there have been some weird weird stuff that gets suggested so, to us on those live shows. Um, no, I don't remember exactly what you're saying. I'll have to go back and find it. It's something in the context of, and, and it doesn't name a specific team. It just says like, would you rather have Stafford? Assuming the compensation it takes to get him, yes. or Arnold, assuming yes. the compensation it takes to get him. But if I'm the 49ers, like I would rather spend my first round pick on on Matthew Stafford, even if I could get Darnold for free. Like I just you're, you're and that's not a knock on Darnold. It's more of which quarterback is in a position to help you win a Super Bowl right now. San Francisco's in a we can win a Super Bowl in 2021 if we stay healthy and upgrade the quarterback position. And really, that's kind of about it. Like, yeah, they have other holes they need to fill, but they're not a perfect team by any means. But for San Francisco in particular, you add Matthew Stafford to that team and you stay relatively healthy. You're the best team in your division. You're a, a top two or three team in your conference. And depending on home games, depending on things shake out in January, you could be in the Super Bowl. I mean, it I'm is gonna, very, very feasible. I'm going to give you one, Jay. I love San Francisco for that reason because they, they're the second oldest team in the league. That, that shocked me when I heard that. They're in that window yeah. now. You take the veteran that can win it for you. I'm going to give you another one. Texas kid goes home to Dallas. Dak walks. Matt oh. Stafford ends up in freaking Dallas with those weapons. Oof. And you move a couple pieces to get some offensive lines. Iron Smith back. Lyle Collins back. He might throw for 7,000 yards. Like it, That sounds asinine, but with those, those weapons and his arm talent, that one, they might run off with the NFC East if he goes to Dallas and stays healthy. That's, that's a far, a, that's, that's a giant upgrade from Dak, in my opinion for a lot less money than what they're talking about paying Dak. See, that's a fascinating one because I, I've kind of galaxy-brained how Dallas could really be in the market for both that and both for Deshaun Watson. Like, if you're already looking at what's already been paid versus what, you know, if you move, if you move Dak to Houston, for example, they can pay, just pay the money you already committed to, to Deshaun Watson, essentially. Like, I mean, that, they could easily make that swap. Uh, considering what their situation is, maybe moving Dak and Michael Gallup as part of a Stafford trade becomes because you're going to probably lose your top two receivers if you're that's uh, not under contract is the problem though right like, well they no, can tag and trade him right trade they you would tag and trade him so yeah and at that point you know you're you don't have a you have money to play with you get a you get a young receiver in michael gallup that replaces the, the galladays and the marvin joneses that are walking out of that door because right now you have quintus cephas and nothing else under contract essentially uh in in, in detroit that's interesting uh i mean there's there's i i think dallas could be a bigger player than people think um, I think they should I also, be. 
I, the other the other team I think that should be in consideration, and I know it's more of a galaxy brain thing, maybe not for Stafford, but more for Watson. And I kind of wrote about this as my, my long shot betting odds. Cleveland should call. I, I know how things ended the season. Whoa. Cleveland Woo. should call. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Can we just back? Can we back up a second? Because I was not expecting this here. You want them to do what now? I would like them to call the Houston Texans and inquire about uh, getting Deshaun Watson. OBJ. Wow. You don't, you're not committing to Baker's long term, but you get a quarterback with long term and you've got the caps. I don't hate it, Jamie. I, I don't hate it. It's out there. Man, but I, now. Wow. You know, you, you you know, it's it that things gets interesting to me. Because again, again, because from Houston's standpoint, I think uh, obviously the first round picks are gonna be tremendous. But if you're trying to if they're gonna try to pretend like they can compete in the next year or two. Which I think is is a is a pipe dream. Uh-huh. But if, again, but what they're gonna they still want to sell tickets. I know not this year, but they're we're gonna have fans. They, in the would, they would love Baker down there. Would you rather have Baker Mayfield or Tua Tonga Valoa? Would you rather have Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold? Like in terms of selling tickets and actually in give Texas, you a chance to win. That's easy. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And uh, if you but, Browns, that's an upgrade. Like I I, oh, I yeah. hate Baker. Don't get I'm not I'm not a Baker hater. We know we have said this, but Deshaun Watts is an upgrade. Yes, yeah. very much so. And he's young Matt, enough Matt, where just like Matt Stafford's yeah. upgrade from Dak. I mean, if you have a chance to upgrade yeah. the, the hardest position in the league to get, yeah, you do you, it. You do it. Yeah. Especially in Dallas's Dallas's case, Stafford's $15 million cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. To tell me the Browns can't, if you put Deshaun Watts on the Browns, tell me they're not winning the North. Yeah. I mean you can uh, run into KC at some point. I get it. And right, Bryce, but, but like but that's what you're doing yeah, anyway. But, but now you have a dude that can go toe for toe with anybody with Josh Allen and yes. and Patrick Holmes. With, with Baker, you got to run it. You got to keep them off the field. You got to do kind of what they did and not turn it over. Uh, get, you know, get a little pylon camp. Man, I like that one. That one's out there, Jim. That's good. Yeah, yeah, I, that's love, I love. I love these the brain. offseason talks. This year's um, gonna be nuts. Eighteen quarterbacks to move. Yeah, After I, I, last, year's tweet, I saw that, yeah. Cra- last year's unprecedented craziness, and now you have eighteen guys. It's it's that's it's more than half the league changing quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, first like for Detroit, if you ended up with Dak, you're pretty happy. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, you're going to lose probably both both your receivers, but you're starting over. But you could give him the money. If and he's you're Dallas. Yeah, if you're Dallas, Stafford's got five years. High school Texas guy would love to go home. With those weapons, you're better. Baker to Houston makes sense. I like all that. So, Jamie, I, I did some digging for you. I found that the would you rather from the other day, okay. uh, and it was in reference to Chris Ballard. If you were Chris Ballard, would you rather trade for Matt Stafford or yeah. Sam Darnold? Same and, situation. And No, but the reason why I wanted to bring this back up is I think the Colts are, are a team, a team that, that's in the mix for um, – for Matthew Stafford, right? I think oh, they're true. in the mix. So I, I think we talk about San Francisco. I think Indy's on that short list as well. And yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense considering, uh, you know, Chris Ballard and everybody there. And they're going to need a quarterback with no Philip Rivers. Oh, absolutely. And uh, Brentley Weissman of the Draft Network wrote that that his favorite fit would be Stafford going to Indianapolis. And look, it makes sense. You're, you're in your Super Bowl window. You have a chance to win your division. You have a chance to make a run. You're missing a very glaring piece of quarterback right now and and left tackle. But quarterback, let's address that that spot first. Uh, it's it's fascinating. Uh, this offseason is – we thought last offseason was crazy. It ain't going to hold a candle to what this offseason is going to be. 
I will uh, I will consider this our, our, fi- our collective final thoughts on the show here today. So, Jamie, tell everybody where they can follow you and see all your content. You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. Jake? Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Arians NFL on Instagram. And always, you can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio, and always go to thedraftnetwork.com for all the content. Jamie and I will be back. Bonus edition on Friday where we go through round four of his mock draft. We'll talk to you then. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.